this is what I've learned is that you will never heal if you keep pretending that you're not hurt. The second I stopped pretending that these things weren't affecting me, I was able to start opening up to it and feeling it. And the uncomfortable thing is, is like, you got to feel it. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. I want to start this episode with a trigger warning. Today, I am talking to my guest about her healing journey from childhood sexual trauma. We're not going into the details of the events, but instead we are talking about the healing process through childhood sexual trauma. Today, I'm sitting with Jessalyn Biederstadt. She is the host of the Invisible Scars podcast, and she's the owner of Doted Boutique. As a survivor of child sexual assault at the 1999 child pornography case in Willow River, British Columbia, Jessalyn has shown immense strength in her healing journey. She has spent years working to overcome the trauma she faced. And one thing that has helped her most on her journey to building the life she has today is speaking with others who have been impacted by trauma along with trauma specialists and clinicians. Her podcast is a safe space for listeners to hear from trauma survivors, family members of those impacted by trauma, clinicians, and trauma specialists to gain practical tools and resources to help break the silence and stigma through honest conversations. One of the things I firmly believe in is around how important it is to tell our stories. And I'm so grateful to Jessalyn for sharing her journey with us. Let's go into today's episode. Jessalyn, thank you so much for joining me here. I am really excited for our conversation today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm honestly so honored to be here. You are on a new journey with the podcast Invisible Scars. So you are doing some amazing work. Let's start there. Let's start with you and what you're doing right now. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I just launched my podcast July of this year. You know, it's funny because I never thought it was something I do. I wanted to always share my story. It was really important for me to do that. I always thought I'd write a book. That was not something that I ended up doing, but it just became really natural for me to speak about it, to speak about my story and to speak about my experience with trauma. It's funny because as I went back and started to look at old journals and stuff, it was always sitting there. I wrote, I should start a podcast. I'm going to start a podcast and talk about this. I want to talk about the hard things. I want to connect with people that have also been through something just because, you know, I felt so alone. So it's kind of where I'm at now. I'm a mom and an entrepreneur. I own an online clothing boutique called Doted. And this podcast is my baby. It's my heart and soul. First, I'm so glad that you have done this because something that I've learned in my clinical position, but also just as a human, is how healing stories are. 
not just when we hear stories or we read stories, but when we tell our story mm-hmm. and you're touching on this really important piece in here, which is that, that feeling of being alone in what that looks like and wondering if you're the only person experiencing it or you're the only person struggling with it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I came from a unique standpoint too, where what I had been through, I'm a survivor of sexual abuse and child pornography. It was this big case in the 90s in my hometown. And as I was going to trial and I was doing all these things, you know, my family never acknowledged it. Nobody ever talked to me about it so much to the point where I was an adult. I wondered if it really happened to me or if this was just something that I kind of manifested. And that part, the connection and not having anyone talk to me about it, I felt, like I said, so alone. And I started to wonder how many other people felt this way. Can I ask you questions about that part there? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think so many people share that story. I've heard it many times from clients, which is nobody talked about it. And so Mm -hmm. I questioned my own experience. How do you understand that piece and the impact of that on you? You know, I don't think I understood it until I really started to dive into my own healing journey. I felt a huge sense of neglect. I felt like I wasn't important. I felt like what I had been through, I questioned if it happened, but I also wondered, you know, were the people in my life not talking to me about it because it was too hard for them? Or were they not talking to me about it for their own selfish reasons, right? Like it was really difficult. And I felt so disconnected from everybody. And it's really impacted my life up until this point. And and it continues to it impacts the way I trust people the way I show up in my relationship and my marriage and how I've had to work really, really hard at those aspects Mm. of letting him in. You're touching on something really important there, which is we don't get to put this stuff away. We It doesn't mm-hmm. just happen and then it doesn't, it's not part of us anymore. It's not like this thing happened, we put it in a box and there it goes. Mm-hmm. The other common thing that shows up for people is around kind of the doubting self that it happened, but then also blaming of the self mm-hmm. when it comes to traumatic events. And I think there's such a huge consequence of when we don't talk about it. And I think... As children, we don't know and understand this, but as adults, it's so important for us to understand that that discomfort was never about us. It's so true. It was never about me. And, you know, a big part of it for me too was guilt. I felt a ton of guilt for many things, what it did to my family. You know, my brother was also involved and I was so young and I, I had watched certain things happened to him that I couldn't prevent. And so carrying that guilt prevented me from having a relationship with him as we got older. It prevented me from having relationships with my family. And, you know, we've talked about this, you and I, about being too sensitive. And I would have these big, big feelings, not only as a child, but as an adult as well. And I was always told, like, you're too sensitive, you're being dramatic, you're always causing drama. And I was just looking for someone to hear me, to see me, to validate anything and everything I could try to be validated by, right? It was really becoming this big hairy monster in my life. Mm. And how much when we look back on parenting, how much we didn't understand about emotions and for generations upon generations, the belief of put that stuff away. We don't do emotions. Don't cry over that. Right. Mm -hmm. And and this messaging of you're too much, you're too sensitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also as an adult, you know, with the relationships 
with my family members in my life, just things that would really hurt me or trigger me, but I would have to be quiet and just keep them quiet and internalize them and bury them and go home to my husband and be like, oh, like, this is so awful. Like, I'm so upset. And honestly, because I wasn't able to get it out and communicate it with the people I needed to, it became bigger than it actually was. So to other people, I probably was being dramatic, right? So mm. just not being able to express what you're feeling and have someone accept it. It's, it's just so important. Sometimes when it comes to a podcast where we're talking about the journey we've been on, it can feel like you've just arrived in this moment. It's like, yep, here I am. I've done all this work and we're kind of presenting this version. And for people who maybe are thinking, okay, so I've had this big thing happen. I know I'm struggling in some way. I know there's these memories or thoughts and beliefs that are really getting in the way for me, but I don't know where to start. Where, where do people start? Or even what was the starting point like for you when you started to do this work? When I began my healing journey regarding this, it had nothing to do with this itself. I jumped into therapy because I had, you know, something really awful happened with a friend and I felt very portrayed and it turned into this really big thing. I was at emotional rock bottom and I went to therapy for that and started to realize that it wasn't actually what had happened with my friend. It was actually what I had buried, what I was being triggered by. And when I can pinpoint it now, it was when she had said to me what she had done to me and said, you know, you can never speak of this. This has to stay between us. And that was it for me. It was the triggering aspect of being told to be silent, that what I went through didn't matter. And, you know, it started to unravel this whole onion of what I had been hiding and burying inside of me. So for me, it wasn't really the trauma itself. It was something that triggered the trauma. Mm-hmm. Like that moment there of, okay, something's not feeling good there. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to go work on that piece. I couldn't get out of bed. I was just completely depleted in every aspect of my life. And I had said to my husband, you know, I'm not okay. And I need to talk to somebody or get some help one way or another, or I'm not going to make it out of this. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom and instead my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these Loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code LOOP 
times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. Picture this, you're planning your summer getaway, what to eat, where to visit, what to do, and where to sleep. But what about the comfort of home while you're away? This is something I'm constantly considering because if I'm uncomfortable in my clothing, then I'm more irritated and then things overall just don't feel great. And this is where Cozy Earth comes in. Right now, you can get 35% off with code SHRINK at checkout. Cozy Earth isn't just about creating luxurious bedding and loungewear. It's about elevating and transforming your entire travel experience. Their bedding is so soft and buttery smooth, it beats any hotel sheets I've ever slept in. And Cozy Earth's bedding comes in these adorable totes, making it travel-friendly and hassle-free. These have been my go-to sheets for well over a year now, and they are a must no matter where you go. Plus, their loungewear is perfect for those long flights or car rides. Their temperature-regulating bamboo joggers and pullover crew ensures that you stay cool and comfy on those long flights. I know not everybody is hitting the road or the skies this summer, and that's totally okay. You can also create your own sanctuary at home, and Cozy Earth has everything you need to make every moment feel more blissful. Trust me, once you experience the comfort and quality of Cozy Earth, you'll never want to go back. My pajamas, the kids keep asking why I'm still wearing them. Visit CozyEarth.com, use my code SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, at checkout to get 35% off. Discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. takes a lot of courage to be able to recognize when you're at that place. Mm-hmm. I, I think people imagine kind of feeling good and then going into this work. And yeah. here's what I know. And this is what they taught us on the first day of our training is that when people show up into our office, we are not the first stop. We are the last stop. They have tried everything already. Your client has hit rock bottom mm-hmm. and you're that last stop. Yeah, which is that really powerful moment to recognize that, yeah, because we push 
and we bury and we push more and we hide and we try our best just to keep going day in, day out. Yeah, it's so true. And I just want everyone listening that's going through it to just hear this. This is what I've learned is that you will never heal if you keep pretending that you're not hurt. The second I stopped pretending that these things weren't affecting me, I was able to start opening up to it and feeling it. And the uncomfortable thing is, is like, you got to feel it and it sucks. And those feelings that you've tried, I remember thinking when I was younger, when something would happen, I'd be like, you know what, that's okay. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna never think about it again. And I'll be okay. Boy, was I wrong. It like it works for a while, right? But I mean, it's always going to show up at the most inconvenient time. And I even had this conversation with my husband when I was like, I need help. And naively, we both were like, this is a terrible time for me to start this process. This is not convenient. We're selling our home. We're moving. We're doing these things. Like, what more can we add? Like, there's so much going on. It's just not a convenient time. We're starting a business and all this stuff. I really stood up and advocated for myself. Emotionally, I was like, yeah, you're right. On the surface, it's a really bad time. But I also knew that I was just like, no more. It's been 30 some years and I just can't live like this anymore. And I think it's just so important that you will never heal if you just keep pretending like it doesn't hurt. Do you think that people tell themselves that there's a right moment to go to do this I work? I do. I really do. I think that a lot of people stop themselves because they're like, I'm starting a new job. I need to give it my all. I'm having a baby or my kids need me right now. Or, you know, my child is at this age where they just need all of me and this is happening and this is happening and my mom needs me or, you know, we always put ourselves last. Mm, it's so true. And therapy is one of those things that is incredibly hard and painful. And it's like the approach avoidance, right? You know, you're going to move through these things through time, but oh, you really don't want to have to sit in that pain and discomfort. And it's so hard, right? Yeah. For me, when I was looking at that road, of where I was in this like deep, dark hole to where I wanted to be, it seemed so far away and impossible to get there. I mean, healing is ever evolving and we'll get into that. But, you know, now that I'm at this point, I'm like, oh, it seems like yesterday. Like, I'm so glad I did that. Right. Let's go there in terms of that healing piece. What does that mean? I, I know this kind of word healing has been used a lot. The idea of a healing journey. What does that mean to you and how do you understand it? You know, healing for me, here's what I thought healing was. I'll start there. Ooh. I thought that if I gave in to those feelings, if I sat with them, it would be me giving all of those people a free pass for what had happened. And in reality, it was actually giving me permission to have a future and be in my life because by shutting down those feelings that I didn't want to feel, without even realizing it, I was not even feeling and experiencing the positive things that were happening in my life. Because you can't be numb to one and not the other. From my experience, I mean, maybe it's, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but all I know is that when I was shutting down all those bad thoughts and feelings, mm -hmm. I was also shutting down the good and I wasn't living my life. I wasn't enjoying my life. Really, Tracy, like I didn't even know who I was or what I wanted, or what I liked. And it all came from the fear of I'd have to forgive those people that did those things to me. And I wasn't ready to do that. And I was just keeping myself in this really dark place by doing that. And the reality is, I actually gave myself permission to live my life. 
That's so powerful just to step into that permission of I want. This Mm -hmm. is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I deserve. This is my right. And I, I do think there's this really big piece in here where people say, I want to be happy. I want to experience joy. And, and yet we have to understand that in order to know true joy and happiness in our life, we also need to know pain and sadness and, Mm -hmm. and to work through, feel through all of the emotions that come, which is really contrary to what many people learn, which is, oh, you're angry, tough it down. Oh, you're upset. Stop being upset. Oh, you're sad. Yeah. Okay. Brush it off. Get going. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Oh, the dog died. Yep. We said goodbye. Move on. Right. Like those kind of those messages. Um, And then layering in traumatic events and experiences that happen. Mm -hmm. And one of the quotes that I learned along my training that really resonated with me was that pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. I love that. It is so true. You know, pain is inevitable and we all feel it. It's part of the human experience. And I think that that's something that I've really tried to drive home with my daughter, her big or her small feelings. I'm just really, really mindful to let her know that like, this is okay that you feel that way. Like you want to be mad, be mad. You're allowed to be angry. Like these feelings are good. These feelings are okay. They let you know you're alive, right? So I'm really trying to drive that home with her to not ever let anyone make her feel like she's too sensitive or that whatever she's feeling in that moment doesn't matter because it does. Mm. Did you start your therapy process before having your daughter or after? No, you know, I really wish I did. I feel like it's my biggest regret is that I didn't start before I had her because I look back at, you know, how I was postpartum and how much anxiety I had and how much fear I had. And I remember sitting there, you know, always thinking the worst case scenario, as many trauma survivors do, and daydreaming of like someone climbing onto the roof and coming into the house and take like these really irrational, irrational fears. And I kept her, I don't want to say in a bubble, but I really did my best thinking like, if I am always watching her, she'll never stick her finger in a socket or she'll never grab a hold of something hot or she'll never always trying to prepare. And I wasn't in the moment and I wasn't living that joy of the new baby. And I feel like it is such a missed opportunity and I hate myself for it sometimes, but my therapy came later and it was something I talk about in my podcast. My first two episodes are me telling my story and I talk about how the system really let me down and they sent me to um, the sexual assault center in our city for therapy. But my mother, who had introduced me to these people, was the receptionist. So I never felt safe. You know, therapy was just a really bad experience for me from the beginning. So I wish that I had had a better experience so that I could have shown up better sooner. But I'm really glad at where I am now. Mm. You got to where you are at the time you needed to. A hundred percent. I really do believe through all of this that everything has played out the way it's supposed to. Just some things are hard to accept and I'm working on it. And that's what I mean when I say healing is ever evolving because, Mm. you know, there's still things I'm trying to forgive myself for and trying to accept, but I'm in such a better space to be able to do it. The reason I ask that is I know how much our children reflect back to us, our inner needs or unmet needs and the hard parts of us and how much reparenting work we have to do 
And also, Jessalyn, just to normalize this experience that you are in a state of survival after having a baby. Our system Mm -hmm. does let down mothers in general. And the sense of how much support women and mothers need is just not there because it is such a life-altering, hard experience. And how could we have known? I think that's something you had asked me on your podcast, like the the mantras that we can anchor into. And two of the ones I really sit in are how could we have known? And we made the best choices that we could at the time with the information that we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's post- very true. Postpartum just throws us for another loop on top of pain and healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. It, it's a time in my life that I wish I looked back on with so much joy and happiness. But when I look at it, there was just so much fear and I felt so inadequate. When you think of the journey you've been through, what has been helpful for you? Like, what are those anchors that you've had or the tools in your toolbox? You know, it's interesting because I started out by saying that therapy was such a negative experience for me, but sitting where I am today, therapy has saved my life. And my therapist is, you know, such an incredible person. And I think it's a bit of trial and error. I've dabbled in it in the last five years and never really felt that good connection that I needed to feel safe and and feel what I needed to feel. But at this point, you know, she's a lifesaver and it's completely changed my life. And that is my key. So one thing, and I've said before that one of the greatest, maybe the only good thing that came out of COVID was just the virtual aspect of, you know, therapy and and that kind of thing. So it's really been incredible. I came from a small town in Northern BC. So to go to a therapist in a small town, a lot of people feel unsafe, right? Mm -hmm. That is it going to be confidential? I mean, it is, but like, you know, it's tough. Everyone knows everybody, right? So to be able to connect with somebody that's in Vancouver and I can do it over the phone and I can sit in my car or I can go for a walk. And it's been so incredible to be able to have that. And also just being able to send her an email and say, I need you. What do you got? And she can fit me in here or there. And that's really been the anchor for me is that. And the small things around it too, that I've learned, you know, I've leaned heavily into meditation. I have this app called the superhuman app that I use every single day. That's really, really helped me. My husband's using it now. My daughter's using it Mm -hmm. before a dance competition. You know, meditation has been really big for me and journaling, which I never liked to do, but journaling has been really key. And not maybe in the moment where I'm like writing stuff down and like, this is exhausting, but looking back at how far I've came has been the key for me. So it may not necessarily be in the moment, like I'm feeling good about journaling, but I've found reading back at how far I've come over the last year, the last month, even the last week or yesterday compared to today has been so incredible. And I'm like, oh, look what I've done. Like, this is amazing, right? Just giving yourself, you know, that gratitude. I think that was something Glennon Doyle talked about in her book, Untamed, Untamed. that that when you're depressed, go back and look at the entries that you've made when you're not depressed and how important that is, right? Because of course, our frame of mind can really impact how we feel moment to moment and gaining that perspective, that kind of outside part is 
challenging and those hard moments. So I love that you've added that is just the, in the moment it's hard, you might not want to, you don't see the changes. And then when you look back, I've actually had some really special sessions recently with some of my long-term clients where we've been able to, it chokes me up a little bit, but it's, it's this reflective piece of me holding the mirror back to them and saying, look at how far you've come. It's just, you know, this work that you're doing and clients like to kind of turn it back on me and say, it's because of you and you being here. And I turn it back on them and I say, no, this is, this is you. You have showed up here. You have shared the hard, vulnerable, messy moments with me and then taken what we've talked about and gone into your life and put that in there. Mm -hmm. And just to see that growth, it's really powerful to sit in and reflect on which I think we're not really good at doing sometimes, right? We just kind of keep going. And especially for women, especially the perfectionists and the high achievers and the ones who are plowing forward and like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Mm-hmm. Rather than pulling back and saying, where was I before? And where am I today? Yeah, you know, that's so true. And even it comes back to not being able to receive a compliment. Like it makes me really uncomfortable to receive a compliment. And when I'm looking back at those journal entries to how far I've come, it's even hard for me to say it to myself. But the truth is like, good freaking job. Like, holy crap, I'm a different person. You know, mm. it's, it's powerful. And the work you're doing, not just for yourself, but for your family and your daughter. Yeah, it's really changed our family dynamic in a big way. Mm-hmm. And I always say like one person cannot work on themselves and the other partner not. And it's really changed my marriage, right? You know, we communicate better. We show up for each other better. It's not perfect. We still, you know, we're no triggered by things. Perfect. God, yes. no, <laughs> we still are triggered by things that each other does. And we say things we don't mean sometimes. But when we go to those places, though, we don't stay as long. We have the tools now to be able to self-reflect, to take responsibility for what we've said, to take ownership for what each of us has said and show up and be like, Frick, I'm sorry, right? You know probably wasn't about you. Here's where I was. Here's where I am. And, you know, my husband's been so great at being like, you know, I really reacted bad to what you were trying to bring to me. And I know you are hurting. So it's just that understanding that we've learned through therapy. We do it separately right now because it was important for me to heal my stuff. And then the reason he went to therapy actually was to learn how to support me because we were failing miserably on my end and his end. And we really wanted to make sure we saved our marriage. And that's kind of what drove both of us into it. And it's been this beautiful coming together of the two of us. I I said this recently to someone and I have the same feeling sitting with you and hearing you talk about you and your husband is that it takes so much courage and strength to go and do that on your own, because it is hard to sit in those therapy sessions. And what you're doing, though, is you're saying this is not just for me, this is for us too. This is for our connection. And I think sometimes we take for granted just how impactful what's happening between the two people is. And I say this coming from a research perspective. And I remember writing this out at the beginning of my dissertation. If this is the only thing that I take away from my dissertation. (laughs) And the the literature review I did at the time, it's this, it's that when we are distressed, when we feel dissatisfied in our relationships, the long-term outcomes are significant, meaning there's greater risk of depression and anxiety, burnout, and also health conditions. 
that long-term relationship distress has been connected in the research to heart disease, to cancers. It's huge. And then when you think of your day-to-day ability to navigate your stressors of just to move through life, that moment with your partner, are we in this together? Do we feel connected? Are we like against each other? Or are we a team seeing the problem in front of us? When you're in that team space, you've got your person beside you, right? It's just, it's not easy. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not easy. It's like, there's like grease in the wheel. Does that make sense? Like there's no cog in the wheel. There's, there's like movement. Mm -hmm. You can move together. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. And you know, we hit bumps in the road. We will, we always will. But like I said, we just like come back from it so much quicker with such a different respect for each other. When I look at it now, we were two people living very separate lives because we both had so much going on. And I had this wall up. And like you said, I'm going to therapy for both of us because I wasn't able to let him in. I wasn't able to let my walls down. After 15 years together, I still had this fear around letting anybody in. So it was time, right? It, mm. it was really affecting my marriage, me as a mom, every aspect, right? Right, right. It does permeate every aspect when we're struggling and when we're trying to heal and cope with trauma. For listeners who are kind of thinking something along the lines of, how do I even start to let my partner in on this if they're struggling with something? Where do they start in terms of communicating their triggers? What did you guys do that helped? You know, all roads lead back to therapy. Like my husband and I grew up in very different scenarios. I mean, he lived in the same house his whole life. His parents were still together, had the same friends in the same neighborhood. You know, there was a lot of peace in his home. And I grew up, I never lived in the same house for more than one Christmas. I never went to the same school for more than a year. There was a ton of mental and physical and sexual abuse. And I grew up in chaos and he grew up like this. And so when I would bring him, you know, these things that were really bothering me, I'm coming at him from a heightened scenario where I'm very triggered. I'm very upset. I'm probably loud and not making a ton of sense where he's just like, whoa, this is too much. So we had to really learn how to communicate and how to accept each other. And it really took me no therapy, walking in and just being firm on what I knew I needed and sitting down and saying, this is what I'm doing. I'm really sorry to say it this way. And I maybe I could have found in the moment a better way to say it, but I was like, you're with me or you're not. Like, this is what I've got to do. And I think just really being able to have your voice and advocate for yourself and believing that you deserve this. Like, you are worth doing the work. You are mm-hmm. worth it. And really believing that because I think, especially as women, like I said, we always put ourselves last, right? And I always want to show up for everyone else, but I knew it was time to show up for me and how important that was. I think that's so important in the sense of acknowledging I have to put myself in the equation, right? We're so good at putting everybody else in there and not ourselves. And that is a lot of breaking through societal messaging of what it means to be a woman. And it's mm-hmm. it's incredibly hard. How do you both offer each other the reassurance and the letting each other know that you're there for each other. So in my community, I I know it's really hard for people to turn towards each other and to sometimes feel like we've got Mm -hmm. tools in our box to feel connected. I'm curious what you guys do to maintain that. Yeah, you know, it was really hard for my husband to not want to fix everything. 
So when I'm coming to him and I'm like, here's what's happening and blah, blah, blah. And I'm so upset and I'm so hurt and I'm crying and I'm devastated. And he's like, who do I have to get? Like, he's right in there (laughs) wanting to fix it. And I'm like, no, no, no. It took us a while to figure out how to communicate and say, Brent, I need you to just be here. Just be here, you know, and I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to acknowledge how I'm feeling and validate me. And that was key for me was just like the validation and not trying to run out and get whoever did this or like stand up for me or do whatever. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. need you to do that. You don't have to fix everything. Just please show up for me. Right. And and vice versa for him, what I didn't realize because of my sexual abuse, I'm very bad at physical connection. You know, when I'm hurting, his initial thing is to come and hug me. And now he's learned to say to me, do you need a hug? Can I hug you? Mm. And respecting my boundaries because I I internalize it and I freeze up. And for him, knowing that when he's going through that, he needs that physical contact. He needs me to hug him. He needs me to, you know, be there and hold him and put my hand on his leg or put my hand around him and understanding what each other's needs are and boundaries, right? Mm. I always come back to this piece of it's so easy for us to sit here and talk about these things and then to be in the moment and living these experiences and saying, okay, this is what you need. Here's what I need. How are we going to do this? Yeah. Oh, let me be clear. It doesn't always immediately happen that way. There's a lot of trial and error where he'll just be like, what's going on? And I'm like, that's not what I need. And then he'll (laughs) be like, right, I forgot. Like, it's not a natural response. And it's something that we're continually (laughs) working on. (laughs) Whenever I give scripts on Instagram, people will always DM me back, be like, I don't sound like that. So this is ridiculous. I'm not going to say it this way. And even when I do it with clients where we're role playing, and they're like, oh, I can't say it this way. I'm like, no. So find what way it's going to work for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, the biggest thing, too, is when it comes to fighting fair. I had a, a podcast episode recently around fighting fair. And the piece is, even if it comes out with heat and anger and frustration, yeah. as long as we keep to the rule of respect mm-hmm. for each other, respect, yeah. and we're not denigrating towards the other person. We're not shaming them. We're not putting them down. It's okay to have emotion that comes over you, but it's quite different when it shows up as a, you're such a, right? Versus the like, oh my God, I don't like, what do you need? <laughs> or something yes, like totally. Yeah. I don't want people listening to think that we just wander around our house going, what do you need? And, you know, <laughs> it's definitely not that. Sometimes it takes 10 minutes to get there. And sometimes it's the next day that we show up and be like, oh, I really didn't show up for you that way. Like, I'm mm. sorry. I know what you needed and I didn't give it to you. And, but we always end up getting there, right? It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. There's no perfect recipe for it. But like you said, it's having the respect And sometimes it takes us a bit to get there, but we don't stay as long in those dark places. There are so many key things that you've talked about today that I want to just highlight in terms of the relational piece, which is you both are coming towards this with a sense of accountability that you're saying both you and Brent show up saying, yeah, yeah, you know, I didn't do it that way. And you're taking responsibility of like, I can see how that would impact for you. I could see how that would feel for you. And then this is the piece that I think so many of us miss in all of our relationships. I'm I'm learning it with my children. I, I had a big repair moment the other night with my son after he had some big feelings, after I raised my voice a little bit. But that repair piece in all of our relationships, how important that is for building those healthy connections today. And I know I have said this before, but it's the idea that in a relationship, there is not ever too much time that has gone by to be able to go back and repair something. 
Yeah. You know, I love that because I'm dealing with that currently. And, you know, I think one thing talking about going back to the healing process of things, one thing that nobody told me when I went into the process of working through this stuff is the season of loss I would be going through. And, you know, the loss of people that once fit into your life and no longer do, the loss of friendships that don't like who you are anymore, that, you know, you're not that same person and you have different boundaries, which are good, but you do have this big season of loss. And that has been really, really difficult. And it's something that we're currently dealing with. And um, it trickles through the whole family, I guess, right? So that's been really key. Mm. I'm so glad that you touched on that piece is that when we change, other people might not be changing with you. And there is this sense of confronting grief and loss along it. And that doesn't mean that the work you're doing is wrong or bad in any way. It means this is where you are arriving and they're not there with you. And Mm -hmm. then it comes to our work of being able to let ourselves process that and not beat ourselves up over it, but to make space for it. Totally. And I think the beautiful thing about where I am currently is that, like you said, you know, these relationships, there's never too much time that has gone by. I mean, only you can set those boundaries and know that you're done with those relationships as well. Right. But I know that I'm in a space with the people that meant so much to me that I've lost that if they would come to me, that door is open because now that I, you know, have processed a lot of the things that I needed to process, I'm no longer angry. And that doesn't mean I've given people permission for what happened or I've, you know, given them a free pass. It just means that I'm I'm not holding that anger. And it's so strange because now I don't see what they've done to me. I see their pain and I see what they haven't healed from. And it breaks my heart. And I just wish for them to be happy and be able to work through it and stop burying it and hiding from it because there is a beautiful life on the other side of it. And honestly, I've made mistakes. There's things I'm still forgiving myself for. There's things that I've done in the midst of my trauma, in the midst of my unhealed trauma that I don't like about myself, but that doesn't define who I am. And I don't believe that that's defining who they are. I just really believe that those people that I've lost that are really triggered by my healing have their own healing journey to go down. Hmm. Thank you so much, Jessalyn, for sharing you, for showing up, for starting your podcast and using your story to help others feel not so alone and to understand that they can do this work as well. I'm so grateful to have had this conversation with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. I believe that Jessalyn's story of healing really reminds us that we don't always get to choose when we do this work and that healing and changing and growing really is about a journey and about a continuous process throughout our life. We don't ever find this endpoint and have it all figured out. So I hope you can take that away from today's conversation. As we wrap up, don't forget to like, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Also, you can submit your questions to me to be answered here on the podcast. You can do this on my website, drtracyd.com forward slash podcast. I love getting your questions and answering them in our episodes. And if you haven't yet and you are looking for something to be different in your relationship, please check out my newest resources 
I have 100 questions to help you deepen your connection with your partner. It is a free guide. Greg and I took it on one of our date nights and we had a blast. We didn't even get through all the questions. We got through one or two, but it opened up all of this information and connection alongside our date. I also have a free session. You can learn more with me about how to repair with your partner after the fight in my free masterclass. And of course, one of my most meaningful things I have done this year is to release my first book. It's called I Didn't Sign Up For This and is available on all formats wherever you buy books. And the audio narrated by me is available on Audible. Until next time, take good care of you and I will see you next week. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. See you next week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.